Hello and welcome to a random attempt at comedy on WWSU 106.9 Wright State FM. I'm your host, Random Allen, here to entertain you with pop culture, movie news, classic rock, and more name puns than you can count. Now prepare to laugh, sit back, and maybe learn something over the next hour. This week on the show, we're talking about flying cars, runaway ostriches, jetpacks, and Matt Reeves' new superhero film, The Batman, starring our favorite sparkling vampire man, Robert Pattinson. Oh, I kid, Robert Pattinson. You've been in some good movies, too, I think. Enjoy Back in Black by ACDC before we return for our first segment. Hello, this is Random Attempt at Comedy, on the airwaves again after five long years, and it's great to be back. First off, let's get introductions out of the way. My name is Random Allen, and no, that's not a pseudonym or a radio name, my first name is really random. I'm sure you all have many questions such as, wait, really? Wow, that's so cool, and how could your parents do that to you? My parents were huge hippies back in the 90s, what can I say? If I didn't have a sense of humor about my name at this point, I'd go crazy. So long eons ago, back in the distant past of 
2015, I used to have a radio show with my friends on Centerville High School's radio station, WCWT 107.3 Centerville FM, the voice of the Elks. The radio program there and Mr. Raypot taught me everything I know. I'd like to shout out any WCWT alumni out there listening right now. I love all you guys. On a random attempt at comedy, we have three main segments. Weird news around the world where I talk about weird stories, reels and riffs, where I bring you the latest movie news and movie discussion, and finally, our main story tonight, where I discuss whatever topic I'm interested in that particular week. This semester, we'll also have special guests, interviews, and more, all accompanied by the music of the Beatles, The Who, Queen, Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, and many more classic rock legends. And now for our first segment, Weird News Around the World! Welcome to our first segment, where we talk about the odd, the unusual, and the downright strange things that happen on this big blue planet of ours. Our first story tonight is an unexpected surprise from the flaming dumpster fire that is 2020. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Does it come in black? One of the world's first manned flying cars was taken for its successful test drive in Japan over a week ago. Skydive Inc.'s STO-3 is the world's smallest electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicle. It takes up about the space of two cars. The STO-3 roared into the scene with a public demonstration on the Toyota airfield, and it circled the field for about four minutes. This is the first public demonstration of a flying car in Japanese history. So, various companies in Germany, China, and the U.S. have had flying cars at various stages of production since 1926. Most of them look like smaller helicopters and planes, and not actual flying cars. This one actually looks like a flying car, like you would see in an old sci-fi movie, not just like a mini Cessna. Even Uber, out of all things, is trying to develop a flying car with this U.S. company called Kareem Aircraft Inc. in L.A. for what they call an Uber Air Service, which personally, I think that would be pretty cool. You order an Uber, wait 25 minutes because it's super late, and then a flying car shows up at your door. Now, I don't know if I personally would be interested in an Uber Air Service because I'm personally afraid of heights, and I wouldn't want to crash into anything, but it's a cool ideal nonetheless. So, unlike a lot of these companies that have been developing flying cars, Skydive's ultimate goal is to make a flying car a part of normal life and not just a fancy commodity for rich people and for celebrities. CEO Tomohiro Fukuzawa said, We want to realize a society where flying cars are an accessible and convenient way of transportation in the skies, and people are able to experience a safe, secure, and comfortable new way of life. Which, I appreciate their enthusiasm as far as this goes. Because for a lot of these companies, flying cars are just kind of a commodity that they're building just because. But this company seems like they really want to develop a flying car to make it catch on and be a part of normal life, like what you would see in like Futurama, where everybody has flying cars. Now, for something like this to really take off, you would need like a celebrity to endorse it, a bunch of famous people start using them, and then flying car take off among the general public after they make it like financially available for everybody. Because you see what some things like the Google Glasses or like the Apple Watch, they didn't really take off that much. There are people that like them, there are people that have them, there are people that look really stupid in them, like the Google Glasses, but a lot of those things never actually took off. So, according to guys, Skydive Inc. They said that the SDO3 has eight motors to ensure safety in emergencies. Something that I really appreciate because if I'm in my flying car, I wouldn't want something, some small thing to go wrong and I wouldn't want to crash into the nearest mountain and then be consumed in a big geyser of fire. So more test flights are planned to occur in the future and they plan to launch the flying car commercially by 2023. Now that's a lot sooner than I personally expected, but it's cool to see that particular piece of futuristic technology is is currently on the horizon. Now, originally the plan for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics this year, before they were postponed by the, the coronavirus, was to have a flying car from Skydive, or was originally supposed to light the torch for the Olympics. And that's personally been postponed. I don't know if they plan to do um, that in the future, but it'd be interesting to see if they can have a flying car ready to do that whenever the Tokyo Olympics are scheduled to pl take place. Now, for a second story, it takes us to Southeast Asia in the Philippines. Lockdowns because of the coronavirus are nothing new. But when Ohio was on its statewide lockdown a few months ago, what would have definitely been more interesting is that we had wild ostriches running throughout our streets chasing cars. So on Tuesday, August 4th, two ostriches were on the loose in Quezon City in the Philippines while they were under a coronavirus lockdown. You have a local resident, he's on his motorcycle, buying food, 
probably pretty bummed out about the statewide pandemic thing, and then suddenly he sees an ostrich running full speed down the street after a car, and he took a video of it on his phone. Several people throughout the day saw these ostriches running amok through the streets. One of the ostriches was chased by a goat, and one of the ostriches even tried to escape the city. Now, in this particular city, they have city gates, and they only let people through due to the lockdown who have official business or have, like, a medical reason that they need to leave the city. But one of these ostriches tried to jump the city gate, and the gate guard, who you gotta admire the um, guts on this guy, he stood right up to the ostrich's face and said that you can't leave the city without an idea even if you're an ostrich. So, both ostriches were eventually subdued by local citizens, and they were found to have escaped their private owner's lot. Their owner, which you, I originally expected this to be some kind of zoo, but apparently in the Philippines, if you're really rich, you have a huge lot full of different ostriches. Just make sure to um, keep a good lock on that gate in case one or, one or more of them escape. Now, I was a little bit surprised that this story didn't have happen in Australia, because we know their history with flightless birds. The emu war, anyone? Flightless bird can be a little bit terrifying in small doses, in large doses. The Australian military lost a war to the emus back in the 1900s, right after World War One, because there was a huge problem with a large group of emus going everywhere. The Australian military suffered massive casualties, and they're probably the only military in the history of ever to lose due to a large group of flightless birds. Now, seeing how crazy geese can be when they're, like, really mad, I can completely understand people being a little bit afraid of ostriches or emus running full speed at you. So this next story kind of falls in line with the flying cars we were talking about earlier. So recently, as of last week, pilots on an American Airlines jet reported a man in a jetpack on the le- on their left side. And then later on that day, there was another jetpack sighting from a Southwest pilot about to land in LAX. At the time, the plane was flying 3,000 feet off the ground. Now, originally when I heard this story, it was just you kind of third-party newspapers. I thought it could have been a hoax. But recently, the FAA and the FBI are investigating what they call an air-based intruder in relation to this incident. They're taking this very seriously. So a Jetpack Aviation Company was contacted by the FBI and they said they weren't involved. They said they didn't have a jetpack with enough fuel to get to 3,000 feet and back down safely. So only a handful of companies make jetpacks or jetpack-related technology. Jetpacks have been in development since the 50s and usually they're plagued by atmospheric trouble. The main practical use of jetpacks recently. So there's been a few different attempts to make jetpacks over the years. Most of them um, have suffered from either like range issues or just kind of being a commodity air shows. And in the development of jetpacks, people invented a lot of interesting stuff, such as a French man named Frankie Zaparta who crossed the English Channel with a Bat to Future S hoverboard just a year ago called the Flyboard. Now, this is something I was completely unaware of until I was researching and information about the story. So hoverboards, like you think of from Back to the Future, are a thing. There was that trend a few years back. I think some people still use them. Where, or there was that thing that to me it looks like essentially a a mini like scooter just with the handle removed called hoverboards. But they're not really what you think of when you think of hoverboards. What you think of when you think of hoverboards is something from like Back to the Future, and this was exactly that. It was a it was diesel powered, and he flew across the English Channel with which is 22 miles in just under an hour. He, it was very hard to control, but it looks like a hoverboard, and it, it got a decent amount off the ground. And also, Bowen has developed an air motorcycle in an effort to create a jetpack, where essentially it's almost like a cross between a helicopter and a motorcycle. So for our fourth and final story, David Blaine just recently flew across the Arizona desert holding a bundle of balloons. So, David Blaine is 47 years old. You know him as the famous magician. He's done tons of crazy different stunts. But this time, he decided to fly across the Arizona desert holding a huge bundle of different balloons. Not in a big hot air balloon, holding on to this huge bundle. So, he teamed up with this YouTube channel for his so-called ascension feat. He got up to 25,000 feet in the air, and then at that point, he ejected and then parachuted to the ground. The whole reason why David Blaine 
one to do this was for his young daughter, Dessa. According to him, this is the most he's ever prepared for a stunt. He had to do a bunch of different things before he was, like, allowed to undertake this very dangerous stunt. He had to get his pro skydiver raid in, he had to get a certificate in hot air balloon flying, and he needed to understand how to read the wind, which can be very important, as you could imagine. He's done a bunch of crazy stuff in the past. He spent a week buried underground, he stood upon atop a 100 feet high pillar for about 35 hours, and fasted for 44 days inside a plexiglass box. David Blaine said that he was the worst with directions. He says that he was inspired by the French film, The Red Balloon. So that's it for this segment. Enjoy All on the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix and Jack. Must be some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Businessman, there, drink my wine. Come and dig my earth. Welcome back to A Random Tempt of Comedy on WWSU 106.9 FM, Right State Radio, where name puns and memes go to die. Now for our second segment of the night that I call Reels and Riffs, where I talk about interesting movie news and film trivia. Before I get into the lighter segment, I would be remiss if I did not discuss the passing of actor Chadwick Boseman that just happened over a week ago. So on August 28, 2020, Chadwick Boseman tragically passed away from colon cancer at age 43. We all know Chadwick Boseman for his many different roles, such as a Jackie Robinson in the movie 42 and as the Black Panther in the MCU. And I was very shocked when I heard about it, especially given how young Chadwick Boseman was. You, with people with young actors like that, you usually don't expect them to die so soon. With certain, like, um, he had been battling the illness privately since his diagnosis, which his diagnosis was in 2016, right before he was in Captain America Civil War, his first appearance at Black Panther. So overall, like, over recent movie career these past four years, he's been battling colon cancer. Well, he's been in some of our favorite movies while he was in Black Panther, while he was in Captain America Civil War, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, throughout all this. And movie making movies can be extremely taxing on the mind and body. But when you're battling a deadly illness, I can't imagine the kind of stuff that he went through while making those movies. And he kept this private from basically everybody. He kept it private from the public, which to an extent, I can kind of understand that because people sometimes make a big deal out of this. You see all the sensationalism and this... Um, extreme lack of respect for a person's privacy that has been happening nowadays, especially celebrities. So I can entirely understand him choosing to keep this whole situation private and to not broadcast it to the whole world. 
And during one of the recent um, publicity things that he did, one of the recent, I think it was a Facebook, it was a Facebook Q&A, he looked very thin and looked very sickly. And people were making jokes and people were really confused. They thought he was thinning up for a role. But as it turned out, it was in relation to his deadly illness. So his final film will be released after his death. It's called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, where he co-stars with Viola Davis. It this film highlights racist exploitation of black artists, and it's an the film. The characters in the film are are making an effort to combat institutional oppression. It's going to be released on Netflix. So Chadwick Boseman had his breakout role playing Jackie Robinson in the movie 42. I still remember watching it, and it was one of the best biopics I'd ever seen. I think I saw it when I was around 12 or 13. It was a very moving movie. He had added a lot of um, gravitas and and respect to that role. And I didn't even really know a lot about Jackie Robinson at the time, but I could tell that Chadwick Boseman was definitely going places. He also played the senior James Brown and Get It On Up and Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall in the movie Marshall. So Chadwick Boseman and Passon is shocking. It's very um, tragic. And people are already like um, very upset about it. And especially because Chadwick Boseman also won the NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Actor in a Motion Picture in 2018 for Black Panther, which he will be remembered as one of the best actors of our generation, and we were lucky to have him for as long as he was. I will end the segment with a quote from our former President Obama, which I think was very moving, and it kind of highlighted a lot of people's feelings at the time. So Obama said in a tweet, Chadwick came to the White House to work with kids when he was playing Jackie Robinson. You could tell right away that he was blessed to be young, gifted, and black, and to use that power to give them heroes to look up to, to do it all while in pain. What a use of his years. We will definitely miss Chadwick Boseman, and he was an amazing actor, and it is tragic that we lost him so soon. Now, for a second story, for a more lighthearted story, we come to um, the new film that just dropped its trailer a few weeks ago called The Batman, where it's the most recent Batman reboot. The first trailer dropped on DC Fandom last week. It's directed by Matt Reeves, which if you don't know Matt Reeves, he's the person that directed the Planet of the Apes reboots. He directed Cloverfield, which I was a little bit surprised about because I thought of J.J. Abrams. I, I enjoyed Cloverfield. It was a decent movie. I like monster movies. Um, I thought it was interesting. It was an interesting take to have a found footage aspect to Cloverfield. But once we got to Cloverfield 3, I thought they'd said basically all they needed to say with the Cloverfield movies. As I found out later, basically all the Cloverfield movies were separate projects with separate directors that J.J. Abrams essentially like produced and then tried to tie in to like, some kind of loose cinematic universe that he was trying to do. So Matt Reeves is the director of this movie, and originally the plan was to for this movie to be part of the DCEU, or like the DC Expanded Universe that they were trying to do with their movies, with Justice League, Wonder Woman, Batman vs. Superman, Man of Steel, and it was supposed to originally star Ben Affleck. But after going through production issues and after having to deal with a lot of that, um, like, legal issues and whether or not the movie is actually going to be made at all, they turned the movie into a complete reboot, and it's not connected to any of the DCEU movies, similar to Joker from last year. So it seems like, because DC has had a little bit of trouble getting their franchises off the ground recently, since Marvel did a really good job setting up the Avengers, DC kind of wanted to fast-track their... Um, path to a new cinematic universe to meet with Marvel. And it didn't work out as well because they were trying to basically do it all in five films where, where Marvel had around like 10 before they even had like their first Avengers movie. So, but in order to um, try to like revive what they were doing and do something new, do something better than Marvel, oh, the they're trying to set up what they're calling a DC multiverse. And the new movie, The Flash, which is a movie that's coming out pretty recently, it's going to have the return of Michael Keaton as Batman and Ben Affleck 
as Batman, having two Batmans in the same movie, and trying to do almost like a multiverse thing, similar to how they have in the comics, where they cross over like TV shows and the different like movies and such, like Batman from the nineteen eighty the nineteen eighty nine movie. So filming has been delayed, and it was expected to resume in early September, but it's been delayed again due to many of the cast and crew, including the star actor Robert Pattinson, getting the coronavirus. So the release date was originally scheduled for October 21st, 2020, but it's probably been pushed back as of right now. And two sequels in the HBO miniseries are expected to follow the film if it does well. Now, one of the most controversial aspects of the film of this film is the actor they chose to play Batman, Robert Pattinson, which Robert Pattinson is known for being in the Twilight movies. I think we all know that. Uh, he has kind of had that be his um, claim to fame, but also his curse, where a lot of people didn't take him seriously. I had to watch a few of them with one of my ex, so they were really bad movies. Vampires shouldn't sparkle. The most enjoyable part out of any of them was Michael Sheen, who he knew he was in a terrible movie, but he joined just to have fun with it. And you can tell that in every single scene, he's mugging for the camera. But back to Robert Pattinson, he's avoided playing any major roles since the Twilight movies. Except for, like, slowly he started to come back into the public eye. Such as with the nineteen nineteen or the 2019 film Lighthouse, which was a psychological horror movie about lighthouse keepers losing their sanity. Kind of sounds Lovecraftian to me. Robert Pattinson in that movie stars opposite Willem Dafoe. And apparently, he took some inspiration for his new Batman voice from starring in that movie. And obviously, it did work to a certain degree because it got 90% run on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm curious to see how that movie like turned out, and I'm probably going to like see it at some point in the future. So, one of the interesting things about Robert Pattinson is that he's going full on into this role. He trained in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with John Wick's fight choreographer, Regan Machalado, which if you've seen John Wick, the fight choreography in that movie is very unique, very brutal, and I like it's some of my fa- favorite like fight choreography in recent action films because unlike a lot of action movies from the early 2000s, 1990s, you can actually see what's happening. It's shot in a way where um, you can see all the action and it's very brutal and very up close, but it's not a bunch of quick cuts. A lot of movies kind of lean on this crutch where a lot of action movies especially kind of lean on this crutch wherever they whenever they show a fight scene they kind of just have it be a bunch of quick cuts where you really can't see what's happening but John looks different in the sense that you can actually like see and follow the fight choreography and if he's training with the fight choreographer for John Wick then it's interesting to see what they're going to do with it for the movie because if you've seen the trailer you can see that it's very like the fight in is very quick it's very brutal it's similar to the batman arkham games from a few years back he robert pattinson has gotten tons of support and advice from people like christian bale who played batman in the dark knight trilogy and christopher nolan who was the director of the dark knight trilogy so this movie is going to be an interesting take it's going to be similar to the dark knight trilogy where it's going to be a realistic kind of Batman movie, but with like some style to it, with some with an interesting style. Matt Reeves is kind of going for a more or like unique gritty stylized look kind of like a film noir film so the riddler is the main villain and he hasn't been an on-screen villain since batman forever in batman forever he was jim carrey and it was jim carrey doing his jim carrey thing where he was being ridiculous he was doing the whole spank me and they were kind of playing it up to be a 1960s era riddler he was kind of doing a impression of the guy who did the Riddler on the 1960s show, mixed with um, his usual Jim Carrey. But for this take on the Riddler, with this new Batman movie, they're going for more of a Zodiac killer, like that kind of like dark serial killer vibe with him. He's played by Paul Dano, which is, he starred in a movie called There Will Be Blood, and then Little Miss Sunshine. I've heard a lot of good things about There Will Be Blood, so I'm probably going to check out that movie at some point. 
It also has Catwoman, played by Zoe Kravitz, and the Penguin, played by Colin Farrell. Strange cast him, but I would like to see what Colin Farrell could do with the role. He's a pretty good actor. And they have Andy Serkis as Batman's butler, Alfred. Which, if you don't know Andy Serkis, he's a very famous motion capture actor. He's been in a lot of different movies. He was Snoke in the recent Star Wars sequels. He was Gollum in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. He's mainly known for his character roles where he's um, doing his motion capture work. And I we didn't get really a look at the design of Alfred in the recent trailer, but it's an interesting choice. And with his British accent, the voice sounds um, like it fits the character. So this is a story about young Batman during the first few years of his career. It kind of gives me a similar feel to Batman Returns with the multiple different villains and the kind of dynamics there with um, Batman and like his different villains like Catwoman and the Penguin. And then so Matt Reeves has said that he wants to focus more on a detective style, on the detective aspect of Batman. And that's part of the reason why he's kind of shooting his movie like a film noir, like detective 1920s is style film. And you can tell that by the cinematography and the way that the trailer was shot. I'm definitely interested to see where this movie goes. It's very intriguing, and with a lot of people having like like lack in faith in Robert Pattinson, he's been in a lot of good movies since the Twilight movies. He's definitely shown his chops as an actor recently. It just maybe he was working with really bad scripts. I mean, as we've seen with some of the Star Wars prequels, even if you're an amazing actor, you can't um, really fix some terrible dialogue. So an interesting story I heard in the lead up to this first show is in completely insane, and it involves Conan O'Brien, and it's related to Batman. So back when Conan O'Brien was attending Harvard, he stole the Robin costume. He stole Burt Ward's Robin costume. So for a little bit of context, Conan O'Brien saw Burt Ward was coming to speak at Harvard when he was a student, and Burt Ward brought his $50,000 original Robin costume to display on stage while he was talking about being Robin. Burt Ward was um, Robin in the 1960s show. So Conan and his friends wanted to, I guess, pull a prank that year while they were at Harvard. So they, Conan and some of his friends dressed up as fake security guards. And then they got to pretend to guard the costume while Burt Ward was speaking. And then Conan got another one of his friends to dress up as a penguin, which, after you hear this story, probably originally supposed to be the Riddler. But um, in the middle of Burt Ward's speech, he had his friend stand up and then announce, when is the security guard not a security guard? before having other people turn out the lights and then Conan and the other fake security guards stole the costume and then ran out of the building. So Burt Ward and basically everybody in the audience were very surprised by this turn of events. And so they actually got away with it for a good two weeks. And then Burt Ward, after finding out who stole the costume, called them up and said that, uh, give me the costume back or you'll feel my wrath. And Conan, being the jokester that he is, being the kind of guy that he is, even back then, and decided to taunt him by doing impressions of the various villains from the Batman 60s show and laughing at him in the Joker laugh. So eventually they returned the costume and like all was forgiven, but I think that's a pretty funny story. Now we are going to cut to a short little commercial break before we go to our final segment, our main story tonight. Enjoy Something in the Way by Nirvana.
Hello, and welcome back to A Random Attempt at Comedy for our final segment. So in line with some of the recent developments in futuristic technology, like flying cars, jetpacks, and hoverboards, for our main story tonight, we're talking about the future, or more specifically, how people making movies and TV shows saw the future back in the past. Some of the predictions they came up with were extremely accurate, and others... Uh, hilariously wrong. So let's get into it. So a lot of movies and TV eh, back in the past would like to see what life would be like in the 21st century. We have movies like Back to the Future, which they made a lot of good predictions, such as hoverboards. They had flying cars, video calling, and the return of 3D movies, which recently 3D movies have kind of been on a bit of a decline. It's always been a gimmick, and for a while there, whenever you went to an IMAX theater, almost always the movies were in 3D and in IMAX. 3D always gave me a bit of a headache, and a lot of the movies weren't made for 3D. There was a little bit of depth to the screen, but most of them did not feel like the movie was made for 3D, and the 3D wasn't that impressive. I can think of two instances where the movie actually felt like it was made for 3D. Avatar, where the whole movie was made with special cameras, and you could definitely tell the, the advances in technology and the 3D effect that James Cameron was trying to get across with his movie and in one of the new star trek movies there was a scene towards the beginning of the film where a character throws a sphere at captain kirk one of, like one of the natives of a planet they're trying to save and it felt like the sphere was coming right at you but with the exception of that most of the 3d in movies has always felt like a gimmick like it was back in the 50s and it's not that impressive and recently the gimmick of it has kind of lost steam and people like imax and like 4k visuals but 3d is starting to fade back into the woodwork again but as far as back to the future goes the bad predictions which i really wish this particular prediction came true because i love jaws the original jaws a lot of the sequels are really silly and not worth seeing but they're worth seeing in like a popcorn movie kind of way jaws 38 in 3d unfortunately we do not have jaws 38 yet they've stopped making them and automatic fax machines right next to your mailbox. Ah, fax machines. You're about as advanced as the Apple Watch was when it came out. And exercise bikes and cafes. Now that's kind of... Come, like they haven't been in cafes but that's kind of becoming thing in some places such as at Wright State where there's a section in the library where you can ride on an exercise bike while studying so to an extent a little bit that's come to pass but not really and in garbage disposal car engines really cool ideal has not been a thing has never been a thing if they could figure out how to do that that would be great so then you come to a movie like 2001 A Space Odyssey, which personally is one of my favorite movies, directed by Stanley Kubrick, who's a master of filmmaking, one of my favorite directors, and it has a lot of really cool predictions that actually came true in the future. iPads, there was, they have some, the astronauts on the ship during the third segment have essentially an iPad, which at the time, they didn't have any kind of technology like that, so they had to project the, um, they had to project what was being shown on the screen from an outside projector to this tiny screen, all in real time. And then when they originally came up with iPads, Apple had to show the scenes from 2001 as a part of a court case to pr prove that the idea was already thought of before they started making their trademark. Um, travel to and from the moon came to pass, like uh, like about a year after the film was released. Sometimes, like there are some conspiracy theories that Stanley Kubrick faked the moon landing. I don't really believe it, but. If you told me that he filmed the moon landing, he would definitely have gone to the moon and made sure that everything was like per picture perfect. He was known for being a perfectionist. 2001 Space Odyssey also had video call-in, which is something that came to pass, just like in Bat to Future 2. And everything was very sleek and white, like an Apple store. Now, space tourism is something that could be in our near future. Elon Musk has been working on that with um, companies like SpaceX for the past few years. And you have um, AI like Siri, which aren't quite like Hal because they haven't killed anybody yet. Let's hope that they never do, but you never know. But some of the bad like predictions in 2001 are that Pan Am would still be a thing, which they, they aren't. And then um, USSR is still around, which it isn't. 
so you get into stuff like the Ridley Scott films, which Ridley Scott or Ridley Scott is another one of my favorite directors. He made Alien, he made Blade Runner, he made Gladiator, but let's focus on Alien and Blade Runner for right now. So the bad, a lot of his movies in like Alien, they still use tape recorders, which I like the look. I like the retro-esque future look, but we don't really use tape rec- like traditional tape recorders anymore. Video payphones, cool ideal, but we don't use payphones anymore. And very old 1990s-esque computers, where they're more like a terminal. Really cool looking. I like the visual design of those movies, but still kind of off. And Offward Colonies and Replicants, which those are both cool ideals that could possibly come to pass in the future, but they have not yet. And then you have stuff that's just way out there, like Demolition Man, where it's a movie at Sylvester Stallone. Really funny movie. I would definitely recommend seeing Demolition Man if you haven't. It has um, Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes. Um, in that movie, he gets he's a cop who um, gets charged with if um, essentially a like. A mass destruction due to some accident. He ends up cryogenically frozen. And then so um, he gets frozen until the year 2032, which in 2032, according to Demolition Man, Los Angeles will be renamed San Angeles. Humanity will swear off all forms of violence. I'm sure that's going to happen in the next 10 years. We will be using cryo prisons and every restaurant will be Taco Bell. Now, that's a good prediction for Taco Bell, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. Now, the last thing I want to talk about before we end off our show tonight is the funny bad magazine predictions for 2020 specifically. I think a lot of people did not see 2020 turning out the way it has, but in the past, people saw 2020 as being the cusp of many different insane to interesting to completely like crazy new technological advancements such as ape chauffeurs the futuristic or the futurist which is a magazine and i think it it was still around until 2019 it published in 1967 by the year 2020 it will be possible to breed intelligent species of animals such as apes that will be capable of performing manual labor or during the 21st century, those houses that don't have a robot in the broom closet could have a living ape to do cleaning and gardening chores. As for whether apes could be used for driving cars, a study concluded that the use of well-trained apes as family chauffeurs may decrease the number of automotive accidents. According to Arthur C. Clarke, who was the co-writer of 2001 Space Odyssey and he wrote the novel, all houses will be flying by 2020. So houses in 2020 will have no roots tying them to the ground. Gone would be water pipes, drains, power lines. The autonomous home could therefore move or be moved to anywhere on Earth at the owner's whim. Whole communities may migrate south in the winter and move to new lands whenever they feel a need for the change in scenery. Which, I can completely understand the desire for that. I don't always want to be in Ohio with our crazy weather, so I can understand the desire to suddenly want to just up and leave Ohio and go anywhere else. So our last three predictions are probably the most insane. So famous inventor Nikola Tesla, most people know him, he invented the alternating current, he was one of the people involved with creating the light bulb. According to him, in 1933, humans would replace all other drinks, including tea and coffee, with alcohol by 2020. Within a century, coffee, tea, and tobacco would no longer be in vogue. Alcohol, however, would still be used. It is not a stimulant, but as a variable elixir of life. So, essentially, according to Tesla, by 2020, we'll all just turn into koalas. Who, if you didn't know, um, since they eat eucalyptus leaves all the time, the eucalyptus leaves make them drunk. So we'll all just be big koalas by the year 2020. So this one was the most surprising to me personally, but in the 1950s, there was a serious attempt to make mail delivered by cruise missile, as insane as it sounds, viable, and it was successfully attempted in 1959, rocket mail, as they were calling it. A Navy submarine sent 3,000 letters all addressed to political figures like President Dwight D. Eisenhower using only a rocket. So, the nuclear warhead was taken out and replaced with mail containers, and the missile was launched towards a Navy auxiliary air station. 
According to the Postmaster General at the time, Arthur E. Sommerfeld, mail will be delivered within hours from New York to California, to Britain, to India, or Australia, all by guided missiles. We stand on the threshold of rocket mail. Sounds a bit dangerous to me, but at least you know that you'll begin your mail on time. That's our show, folks. Tune in next time on Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. for more of a random attempt at comedy on WWSU 106.9 Wright State Radio, your one-stop shop for film news, weird stories, and all things random. Good night.